Hello, everyone. Welcome to a reboot of the Fanboys podcast. We have been gone for the summer, um, mostly my fault. <laughs> I uh, did a move this summer, and it was much more stressful and challenging than I could ever have imagined. And it's taken a while to get my footing in my new my new home and get ourselves locked and loaded. And in the meantime, we missed all of the world championships and we're not going to cover much of that today we'll make we might jump into it a little bit as we um meander and wander right tomek we have a tendency to kind of wander all over everywhere so um we will we're going to cover mostly berlin london and a mini preview of 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 chicago not sure exactly how long we'll be recording today but mostly this recording is trying to get back in the pocket get back in our seats and get ourselves excited for What's coming up with Chicago, New York City, CIM, Houston, um, and any other news that comes up. We're hoping that Tomek and I are hoping we'll continue to record every two weeks or three weeks like we did in the past. Um, and we'll cover things related to fanboys. We've also discussed the potential of doing um, conversations and discussions of other issues and other things. But we probably won't do it under this this moniker. So. Um, we're just trying to get back in the saddle. So if you were a little rusty and a little a little slow on the uptake, um, be patient with us. I know we've got 20,000 to 30,000 listeners, so it's going to be, hopefully they'll be willing to go on this ride with us. Right, T? <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> we have maybe exactly. like five or six consistent listeners, I think. But anyway, we have fun doing it. We need to get back in the saddle. We love talking about this shit. And, um, and there's stuff to talk about, especially... Considering Berlin and what we saw at Berlin, T, you and I haven't even gotten a chance to discuss this. Even though we haven't been recording, we have been still meeting and hanging out and doing stuff together. And so we talked a lot about the World Championships ourselves, but we haven't talked at all yet about Berlin. Tell me what your thoughts are. Which of the two storylines, two race lines is most um, exciting to you, the women's race or the men's race? Um... Berlin. Well, see, when you started talking about Berlin and London, I immediately I was like, why is why is this flow track blocking the, the viewership of mm. the margin majors? Why I didn't watch it? Because, you know, I didn't want to pay $30 just to watch it. Why don't you just give me for $5? I pay it and they will make more money anyway. So I'm being bitter about it. But... <laughs> But I watched some, some you know, on YouTube, uh, Flowtrack posted like last um, 10K or something. And, and, you know, it's always beautiful to watch Kipchoge and, and just kind of just, just, I, I would watch it and go running myself and it just transforms my own running and, <laughs> and stuff. But yeah, you know, and it, of course, Kipchoge was up in front and you see him alone and all. And then, and then it's a women race on behind and you don't have a split screen. So again, I'm complaining because I would love to watch both at the same time. I don't know why that is not available. But, uh, you know, it was quite, quite a shock to... Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing the, 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 the women race were more shocking than everyone else because we kind of knew... Well... Kipchoge surprised us by opening first half in like 59 something. And even the, the fastest predicted split was like 159.20 <laughs> for that kind of split. <laughs> so was uh, everyone was like, wait, 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 wait. Was that a plan or is that adjusting on the fly? What's going on? And um, well, ended up being uh, more challenging, but he still, you know, he still keep calm, as I'm, I'm, I mentioned, last 10K. He had this slowest 5K somewhere out there from 30 to 35. Uh, I think 30, 36 maybe kilometer was like above three minutes. So for the first time, and it was like, oh man, he's falling apart. But then last 5K, he was back, you know, and going his 250 something and, and, and closing for new world records. So... Uh, both races was ama were amazing, yeah. What do you think this world record means? Do you think it it solidifies him any more as the greatest, or was he already there in your book? What what does the chopping of a nearly a minute off the world record sort of do now? What was it, 40 seconds, 45 seconds, or something like that he chopped off, I think, right? 
like 30, 30 seconds, seconds. So exactly does this yeah. does this you know because Bikaley got so close um to the last world record you know that was when he when when Kipchoge set the world record the last time he held it well he's hold it held it since then it was like 2019 or 18 or something like that that they said that he said it 18 yeah and yeah, then yeah. a couple of weeks later um or a couple of days later wasn't it it was like very very quickly um Bikaley ran um a time that was only three or four seconds slower so at that point it was like well is this world you know, we were all shocked at how fast Kipchoge ran but and we were still wondering what was going on with the two hour mark that he had been played with before so it was in between the two shots at sub you know the first shot at sub two where he missed it and then he set the world record and then Bikaley almost broke the world record out of the blue which was shocking and to me I think a lot of people at that point kind of underestimated the world record and I, I never did because my view is I'm on record and if anybody wants to check it they can go back and listen to many 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 episodes of the running rogue podcast where I defended Bikaley over and over and over again as being not only the greatest distance runner of all time but potentially could be the greatest marathoner if he could get his head wrapped around the race distance and could get his life organized and I kept thinking he would show up yeah. one day Right before this last race, I sort of threw the towel in on him because I just thought, well, he's not going to happen. And then he and then he almost breaks the world record. So um, I think that yeah. I still think that those two times are so far ahead of what anybody else has run. And no one else has gone under 204, correct? I mean, they're the only two who have gone 203 or faster. Is that correct? I don't think there's anybody else that's gone under 204, is there? No, no, there is. There, there are guys in two or three. No, nobody in two or two. No, I think two or two high. Two or two high. You know, it was Dennis Kimeto? Oh, I think that's two, right. two or two fifty-five okay. or yeah. something. But, but you know, look where the Kipchoge is coming from. I think you know he was, he, he was a little bit, well. So two thousand eighteen, he sets the world record, and then. And then remember, he he goes to this. Um, um, I don't know what happened then, but but then I remember, you know, he he comes to London and and then he 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 gets beaten, you know, first time his ear is blocked, and then he sets up this this kind of race for himself before Olympics in in uh, on an airport in Holland, and he rides I don't know two or five, right? So then. And that's like, oh yeah, 2019, he sets sub two in Vienna, right? right? But then he has two races that are okay. And then he wins Olympics. And then he, but you know, Olympics are slow, you know, it's not the fast, fast race. And then he goes to Tokyo and then he runs like two or three, which is, uh, you know, fastest ever in Tokyo. But then he's probably thinking like, whoa, wait, can I go back to this two hour kind of, you know, to the reward? He started dreaming again, so I think, right? Yeah, but also maybe like thinking, can I do it? No, but still? I mean that you know? dreaming the, that the, that was potentially possible, where before yeah, he yeah. was just trying to get back to his best, right? Yeah. So I think he's he. You could see that relief when you cross the finish line, even though he wanted to break two hours. He was very happy that he did set the world record. That he is proved where he was in two thousand eighteen, or now better. So he thinks I can do it, you know. So I think that 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 race, not big, it, it, it's in a way like a breakthrough in this last three years for him. Not even winning Olympics, but but this world record and being just one minute away from two hour mark. I think he will, you know. And he talks; they potentially wants to try it again in in a race to break two hours. Yeah, I don't think I don't see why he shouldn't you know and let's let's talk a little bit about the race itself so he does go out in 5940 and to the shock of everyone because they had had pacers that were going to go um i thought the the pacing was supposed to be right at like 6130 or something like that i mean something like right. that so he was almost a minute faster and and he said later he felt good and he went for it so to me this is really an important point in the in the history of kipchoge that moment because he has been getting a lot of grief over the years by lots of people that he's boring to watch, that he's not, um, that he's not, uh, that he's good, but he's just a metronome. He's a machine. He's not a real human being. And you know, I don't know where these people come up with this shit. Um, I don't know why they think that stuff. I think he's still the most exciting marathoner to watch. Yes, he's not incredibly um, throwing down, you know, 
before this race, he wasn't. He was always running a measured and controlled race, but he was running measured and controlled races at the absolute pinnacle of what is possible. You know, people think that Kipchoge's running races that are paced, and so that's a challenge. It's like, well, every race, if even if you look at everything that's going on in the track, you know, a lot of people don't watch what's going on in the track, and you and I watch the track all the time. There, there is not a world record broken on the track these days without either pacing or and or the little blinky lights which are basically pacers so to run a world record at this point in time in distance running on the men's and women's side requires aid so it's it's at least it seems to be that way now kipchoge again shows i mean he did have pacers that did take him through a while and then he but then he goes off on his own and he just rocks and rolls for the whole thing but to me this this race was kipchoge's if not his greatest one of his top three two or three greatest races i will say this race just says he's throwing the gauntlet down on a couple of things. Number one, he's not too old. Age is not relevant to him. And anybody that says it's relevant and thinks he's doping because of doping because of it or whatever else people want to come up with, I'm like, you guys, you guys can go off and you can have your sour grapes and have them somewhere else, but not anywhere near me because I don't buy that shit. I don't have anything to do with it. I don't. He's not doping until he get caught doping. What's his age? Listen, the way it works in mechanics is he's going to be a better marathoner in two more years than he is now, at least physiologically. Now he will run into an age question. I mean, he's 38 years old. Maybe he's 40 years old. We don't really know exactly how old he is. But I've coached men for a long time, and I don't see them really seeing significant drop-off in performance until somewhere between 40, 42, 44, somewhere in there, the ability to recover and recuperate. But even then, you've got somebody whose economy is so much greater than anybody else's. When you, as you mentioned, watching him those final miles, his mechanics are amazing. It's amazing how even when he's failing, he still has energy return. His biomechanics are unlike anything I've ever seen in the sport. And he's just, I think that we still have two to four more years of excellence, potentially from Kipchoge, right? I do think that there's that. Um, but to think that he might be doping now, I just, I just, I'm just in shock that people say that kind of crap. No. <laughs> his, his doping is that his wife for the whole week before the race fastest and prayed. Uh, yes, that, that's, so uh, that's, he gets he gets the supernatural. That's exactly dolphin. right. <laughs> then then the second thing is that he ran an incredibly courageous race, right? He just ran a race that for he had he showed that he has big balls, right? And he wasn't afraid to go for it. And to me, I think that's part of what that celebration was coming across the finish line. That sort of shaking his fist, his sort of like it wasn't as angry as say Sebco in 1984 when he won the 1500 at the Olympics and he's pointing at the the the, the British media who had you know, written him off and he's really angry and you can see the anger, but I could feel a little vindication in Kipchoge from that. Like, yes, in his model, it's internal and he's like, yes, I did it, but it feels like, it felt like a vindication to me. And number three, this time is going to stand for a while. And the only person that's going to break this time is Kipchoge in the next, I say four years. I don't think, I think whatever gains we've seen in shoes have happened. So we're not going to see more games in shoes. And I think the gains that are coming from the shoes are coming mostly to Kipchoge because of his biomechanics. I think he gets a huge benefit from them. Do I think he would have broken the t run the time that he's run without those shoes? Eventually, it would have taken five or ten more years, and maybe Kipchoge wouldn't have done it. But he still would have been chopping off consistent numbers off that time. The fact that he's moving this close to two hours has something to do with the shoes. But to me, the shoes are a moot point. Anybody that wants to wear them can wear them. Anybody can get a hold of a pair. If you if you think that's the, it is definitely making an effect. But all these other companies are making similar things. We need to just shut up about the shoes and move into a post shoe conversation for everybody and say they're here. They're not going away. They're never gonna go away. It doesn't look like that was needed to happen about two a year or two ago. Um, I thought there was traction going into the pandemic that before the pandemic happened that maybe there might be some changes to what was going on with the shoes. But Nike weathered the storm through that and um, came out the other end. And you know they're. If you want to give Kipchoge any any rap, anything you want to say, quote unquote, negative about him, to my view, it's just that his in, in some of our minds, those shoes made a big difference in what he did. Now, everybody else on that starting line were running with a similar pair of shoes, if not the exact same pair of shoes. So, yeah. you know, and I think that I did see that Kipchoge's shoes looked a little different this time. They looked a little bit more robust. I don't know. I just saw a quick glance of them they didn't look like the standard one but who knows these days what they're getting from nike so um i think the shoe question is like 
Is it an asterisk? No, it's just a part of the conversation that we have to have about everybody. But that's my view is I think that this race, um, Berlin 2022 will go down as one of the top three marathons, along with, in my opinion, Tokyo at the Olympics, the second Olympic gold, breaking two, and this result are, in my opinion, the three greatest marathon races we've seen Kipchoge. And I do think that there could be ones that will push these off the mark. But those are my three best races from Kipchoge, um, you know, because they were the most impressive to me. And they're all three of them have come in the last, what, three years, four years. So it's like, he just keeps getting better. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, yeah, you, you mentioned that, that you see Kipchoge breaking the records and stuff. And then, yeah, the, the conversation has been popping up, like, who could, who could uh, these days be, uh, you know, come to, to this mark, close to this mark. And, you know, Kipchoge, Kipchoge is, is the, had this traditional, in a way, uh, progression, right? From, from track, doing all the track, and then, okay, I'm done with the track, let's try the marathon, because he couldn't qualify anymore with the Kenyan team, right? But just let's think like, let's say uh, Jacob Kiplimo or, or, you know, he's like 21 or all those young guns, right? What if, and he runs 57, you know, whatever minute, minute for half. What, what if he jumps into a marathon in a year or two, right? Can, and he, he seems like a perfect guy because he's not so tall, kind of strong. I mean, I think Jakob Ingebrigtsen. Can he, can he open 60 minutes? We'll be jogging for him. Yeah, I mean, I think Jakob Ingebrigtsen <laughs> is somebody who I think could be potentially. Now, could he run oh, this fast? I don't know because Jakob's mechanics right. are really, really good too. His body positioning. His body positioning is a little more designed for that 1,505. But he is talking about moving up to a 10 and doing a half. And he did. He is incredibly good at cross-country. We've seen him do really well at cross-country distances, too. So, um, But, yeah, I do think that yeah. what... He, but, 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 then, but then also question... Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Question comes, if, 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 if Kipchoge started a little bit earlier, right? He didn't maximize the track, but at the prime, left the track, you know, and was this prime... Prime now at let's say low thirties, right? When he's in his uh, early thirties, like how fast he could then go, you know? But maybe he couldn't because he would not develop all this, this, this everything that he developed through all those years, right? So it's it's a kind of yeah. I I don't know that we'll see the Ugandans go that direction because they seem to be as a crew focused on the half and down. Um, even though I agree with you, Kiplimo could be an incredible marathon, absolutely incredible marathon, and he probably will move up. Chapter guy will probably move up, but it probably will be a while. And as you're right, if they don't... But, you know, the other thing that happened with, with, with Kipchoge that a lot of people don't pay attention to is he disappeared for a little while. So it wasn't, you know, you know, 03 and 04. Yes, he, he, he won a world championship in 03. He was third at the Olympics in 04. I mean, by a chest hair. It was the most incredible race. I mean, if you that's why I said the most incredible yeah. marathons Kipchoge's ever run because I think he ran two other incredible races one win a world championship one to get a bronze medal and, and those two races mm -hmm. are so much fun to watch um, but that they he did he spent some time getting ready for the race without racing anything else it looked like he probably doubled up on volume did some other things but he, he kind of fell off the scene for about two or three years there um, before he came back on and started winning and competing at a high level in marathoning so um, you know, what is that? Is that is it better to do it right now? Is it better to do a base phase where you're not really jumping back into races and getting a chance to get that volume under your legs without having to have races go on? Or what will what will it take? Because you and I both know marathoning isn't just getting to this. It's not just from the time the gun goes off to the time you cross the finish line. So much of what goes on in marathoning is happening in the training camps um, and what's going on with his training and consistency. And, you know, Kipchoge makes so much money in his sport that he can just pick his points and decide when he's ready. And, um, you know, when he said before Berlin that he was going to run fast, I knew we were going to have a world record under threat. So when I got up that morning and saw that he broke the world record, I was not surprised in the least. So right. um, I was not surprised. <laughs> which is which is kind of sad, right? You're not, you're, not, you're not surprised that the world record is broken. It's kind of, it's amazing. Like we're taking for granted here. Yeah, but, in the, but watching the YouTube stuff afterwards and seeing his excitement coming into the finish line and everything else, it really yeah. left, it really raised it. And then when I read about it, I mean, it was basically Kipchoge pointed at the big giant 400 
foot wall like they do in baseball and says, I'm going to hit a home run over that wall on this hit. Watch me do it. And he hasn't really done that before. <laughs> um, also going into it again, he did the typical Kipchoge, as you and I noted, he was like, I don't really care what I do here. I just want to run a beautiful race or I want to run a good race. And it just, he's just the best ambassador we have at our sport, not only for what it means to be a warrior at the highest level, to be incredibly good at this, but to also be humble yeah. and to be, um, to be humble, not in front of his peers, but to be humble to the race, to the fans, to the race director, to everyone. He says, I, you are what you're asking for. I will do my best to deliver. And I just think like, that's not, what anybody else on that starting line is thinking. All they're thinking is, I want to win. And Kipchoge's thinking, how can I give a good show? How can I give a good show? You know? So, and again, he still is continuing this thread of humans have no limits. And I think you and I should do a separate episode on this completely, which is what do what does he mean by this? I was at a I was at a, a birthday party on over the weekend um, with some other runners and they were talking about Kipchoge and saying, you know, they were talking about, you know, he's a little crazy to say humans have no limits. Look, we have limits. And I and I made the argument, I don't know if that's what he's saying. When he says humans humans have no limits, he's saying that we are we are still constrained by our viewpoint and what we're willing to shoot for. Not that we don't have, you know, tensile strength limitations or ability for the muscles and tendons of the mix to do it. What he's saying is if you'll open your purview to what might be possible, you, you invite amazing magical kinds of things to happen. Um, but we'll save that for another discussion. Um, but it, it, I do think that that, that is another thing about him that makes him so special is that he's doing all these things right. And then he's also telling all of us that, Hey, you can do what I'm doing too. Now, maybe not exactly what he's doing, but you can do things in your life like I'm doing. And I mean, I think that's why he is the, the great ambassador of our sport to the rest of the world. Everybody knows him as sort of the Yoda, this meta marathoner who's like, so he's not just an incredible athlete, but he's an incredible human being and he's stretching what it even means yeah. to be human. Yeah, exactly. No, the, the, when I hear it, um, um, there are no limits. It's like you you don't know. He's telling me you don't know what your limits are. You think you know, but expand that. You don't know what your limits are. You think you know. You think you're three hour marathoner. Maybe you are two forty four. And I also think you have to I try. I think he's so you're saying he speaks about it in the specific or the individual. I think he's also talking about us collectively as humans. I think he's telling all of us. All these problems we think we have in this world, climate change, um, political upheavals, all these things, we, we are so small in our viewpoint. You know, I do. I am so intrigued by his religious faith and what it is. I would love to know what his practices are, what his faith is and how all that works for him, yeah. because it seems to be so essential to how he presents how he work how he has his own frame for success right how he what his worldview is to how suffering gets translated through that how that work gets translated through that you know you and i both know what you what you believe at your deepest core shows up late in really really challenging events and races and training and so something there's something very special about him there too that i think is really important yeah, and I mentioned at the beginning, you know, when, when I was watching his face in the last closing kilometers and I then I go and try to do my workout and then, you know, you say, we're going to do the marathon effort or, uh, pace today, right? So I'm immediately putting Kipchoge, what, what does this mean marathon effort pace? And I seeing his face in my, in my mind, calm, relaxed. Okay, that's, that's the marathon effort best marathon runner in the world is doing well that should be my example <laughs> so i should be calm relaxed you know focus but not straining not forcing and whatever the pace is i don't care what the pace is i want to look like kipchoge and then my marathon pace will come to me you know at some point because that's that's how i can expand those limits that he's talking about totally. right so yeah i agree yeah we can talk about it yeah. all day <laughs> so let's also talk about the Which other is, incredible uh, thing that happened on the same day in london a woman yeah, yeah. tigist tigist asfera 
Aserfi. We've never heard of her. But she is a sub-two-minute yeah. 800-meter runner. Um, and this was four or five years ago. So she kind of did a Kipchoge too. She was running at the – she wasn't as good as Kipchoge comparatively. But it's going to under two minutes in the half, especially in 2015, 2016. I mean, there were only 15, 20 women in the, in the world doing that at that time. Now there's more doing it. it, there, it two, out, two minutes has now become yeah. – like a bigger threshold where more people are crossing it. But for a long time there, it was very few people that were actually getting under that time each year. So for her to be someone who had run, you know, an Ethiopian too, who are typically very good econ, you know, their, their running economy is amazing. Typically you watch many of them. They're just, they're not unlike the Kenyan women who can have really poor mechanics. Um, and yet run really, really fast. The Ethiopians are typically very, very good mechanically. And to run two minutes, you have to be really good, a good mix of that power and speed. And so she wins going away this race, runs a 2.15. And when her prior best was something like a 2.26 or something like that, 2.27 or something, right, T? Like it was a like an 11 or 12-minute personal best, I think. It might even have been bigger than that. I'm not sure. But that was a huge surprise when I saw it. But it, it is, as more people have been really pointing the finger at her from a doping perspective, she did she's two things there that sort of make me stem the st make me step back from making any kind of assessment of how she got so fast one is a like kipchoge she's incredibly eco economical and fast and b she took a window of time away from the sprinting phase to get stronger and then had a big performance it still does not account for the 11 minute 12 minute pr um which is a huge jump which definitely is something that people should be thinking about and looking at and saying you know is this doping a part of all of this you know, and, and you and I both are, are pretty open in our view that you're not doping until you're caught doping. And we can have questions about certain people, but we don't want to we don't want to ruin the sport by making casting aspersions. But this is the kind of athletic performance that most often raises eyebrows. But I think we should reserve the, the desire to say doped for sure and just say, hey, let's see how this woman performs in her next marathon. Let's see if she can back it up because we've seen some performances like Jocelyn Jop, what's your not Jopakich or JJ. I mean, that woman ran, broke that world record in the half marathon and everybody was like, Oh my gosh, she's, she must be doping. And then now she's, you know, one of the top five marathoners in the world. And she's been able to back up and back up her performances at that level. And to me, that's like, okay, you're getting, you're getting tested consistently. You're going through all the traps. You're getting tested at every event that you go to. You're at, you're under the guise of being paid attention to. So it's, and then you've continued to repeat performance after performance. It's typically a good sign that, that these athletes are, 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 are people we can not think about that way. But I do think it's fair for, a surf to kind of be thinking about a surfer under that guise, but I I'm still leaving it open that she's potentially clean and, and somebody really exciting to watch and a, an exciting story for our sport. Cause it makes the point that you've been making about Kiplimo and other athletes to, Hey, move up because the real money, the real money is in the marathon. Um, they can make more in one race than they make in an entire year of racing on the track in in at 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 the diamond yeah. league level so now but it's only one shot right whereas in when you're fit for a 5k or fit for a whatever you got multiple shots at it but um we know that um most of these and it, so i just think that you know you and i've we're big fans of the 800 all the way to the marathon even into the ultra marathons um and we love to see this range and so this is another great storyline from this young woman to see somebody you know, do it this way just to me is just an exciting aspect of our sport. What did you think about it? How did, how did you feel when you saw her performance? I, I was not surprised. I, I, I was not thinking doping. I, and especially after I saw her, uh, you know, the video of her, you know, final kilometers, she looked really good. You know, she's, she's kind of tallish, you know, like kind of 800 meters, but yeah, like you said, the mechanics are great. And I think that's that's the Ethiopian thing because as we all know, I've seen it many times. They do all those drills every day. They doing those skips and all group and singing and dancing. It's kind of really entertaining. But I think that makes them the mechanics, you know, so beautiful. But then, as you were just talking about her, and I I, I picture in my head like she probably training with like Gide maybe right. And Gide is like. She probably dust her off. So she's probably thinking, man, I'm so slow, you know. <laughs> <laughs> C 
because you know and then she she goes it's like okay i, I you know who knows and 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 then the, this woman that we're just going to be talking about her next you know the the we call her y y square uh, who run uh, just London, she trains maybe with her too. So, I mean, she's not even like the maybe, you know, top three in the yeah, group. So who knows? But, you know, I did just look it up to you and she ran a 19-minute PR. So it wasn't 11. It was 19. Okay, 234 yeah, so was, was her best from earlier in the year at the yeah. Riyadh Marathon in Saudi Arabia um, earlier. And, and so, yeah. But we but we heard the backstory yeah. uh, of that uh, post race. Pretty much, COVID came, so track was cancelled, and she nobody was making money, and she got an offer to to appearance money in that marathon, like two thousand bucks. That was per her agent. So she said, like, why not? Just go and finish the race. You're gonna make two thousand dollars, which is a lot of money in Ethiopia, <laughs> yeah, sure. even in America. You know. So anyway. Um, so then, but everyone says like, oh, you know, what, what the heck? She's, she's, um, she maybe just went and do the long run. But uh, another woman, you know, uh, let's not miss, you know, was a Kara Dimato in Berlin, and she was uh, she was going for the American records, and unfortunately, she didn't she didn't do it. I, I think the pace went too hard for her, so she was kind of she had her own pacers as 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 I've heard and so but uh what do you think uh you know i think what do you think about her performance um well it was it was a solid performance disappointing at the world level but a solid performance i still think and i think that um yeah you know it it's hard there's still a gap um i mean there's a huge gap between the men and the women she was rushing post worlds i think she is tired you think she was rushing yes and i think i think i heard something like I, I don't know. I don't, I wasn't watching it. Hopefully she's not running Chicago or New York. Cause if I, I thought I heard no, no, a rumor no, no. of that and I was like, God, please don't do that care. That that's just doesn't need to happen. Um, but no, I do think she came back a little yeah. bit too quick. And, um, I think that, but they know, you know what I mean? We've, I've had this before with athletes who perform, um, who don't have a great performance. You know, they can run a race and run, you know, five minutes slower than what they're capable of. But and, and be ready to run pretty fast again pretty quick but i mean at this level i think it was a pretty soon to come back and i i just think at this point we haven't yet seen we are seeing the american women get consistently at or under 220 which is huge but the races now as we've seen um you've got to run under 217 at or under 217 in order to be in have a chance in any of these and that is that is three minutes t that's a lot of time in a marathon. So that's that's a significant difference per mile in terms of what they're doing. And it, you know, I just think that while we've made a lot of strides on the women's side, we still have a ways to go before we're going to be at that level. But it is athletes like like Kara, um, the Kara, and then the others that are moving up. As we're going to talk about with um, Chicago, what happens with Emily Sisson as she moves up to this race distance? Um, are we going to see um, the the that I think there's a big, big threshold that's been broken, and I think that the consistency of seeing athletes compete at this level, I think Jordan Hesse helped that a lot when she was doing the 222, 221, that, you know, and then uh, um, Sarah Hall moving down. We're seeing Americans run in the past. It was more along the lines of Des Linden's, and, you know, like we were 223, 224, 225, but now it seems like we're down and we've got athletes running in the 221, 220. Uh, 20 to 19 range and if that happens consistently in the year to two years you're going to see the next course of athletes move forward and up and and be able to be performing at a high level but the other thing that's really challenging with this Tomek is that the real challenge I think is that American women um, the money for marathoning isn't as great so I wonder if we're going to be able to catch up because there's not a lot of American money for marathoners and and they're not breaking into the top echelon of top five, top four in these big races. And are they getting the paydays necessary to make it worthwhile for them to move up and to take the risks to do that? And until we see somebody coming out of um, either, you know, Jerry Schumacher's group or some other group like that where there's a lot, a lot of support, I just don't see um, – I just think you're going to need a Nike, a U.S.-based Nike athlete to be able on the women's side to be able to do this, and I just don't know where they're coming from. I, we're going to need to see somebody like a Kate and Tui decide to be a marathoner when she comes through the ranks, or someone else just decide, okay, I'm going to bypass spending 
three, four years in a 3K, 5K, 10K range, and I'm just going to go straight to the marathon. A little bit like Jordan did, but maybe if Jordan had done it a little bit sooner, right? So are we going to see women do this? Like, why did it take Emily Sisson so long to run a marathon? Now, COVID came right in the middle of this, but I mean, I think she should have run a marathon in 2018, 2019. She sh well, she did. Remember, she ran a debut in London, so she did 223, and then that's her right. PB. But, but then she was trying for the Olympics and it was oh, bad, yeah, right. and yeah. then she, she wanted to go to Olympics, so she did the 10K. So, so finally she's back. But so she's let's someone see. who I yeah. think we really can see that. And it's gonna and I think that right. we're on the cusp, but we're not quite there yet on the women. So um and while Kiara's story is really incredibly motivating and inspiring, she is hugely inspiring as an athlete. And I do think she can run a 218, 217. I do think that. I don't think her best years are are out. I think she's gonna continue <laughs> to be in the mix at all of the world at all the U.S. championship style races. She's going to be here for a while, but hopefully what she is, she's going to be the grand dame, the grand dame who pulls our younger athletes and stretches them forward and, and moves them. Um, you know, like in a lot of the ways that Dina Castor tried to do, but there weren't enough women following her. They just, we, we've now got a few women with Sarah Hall and Kira D'Amato and they can pull forward a new crop, hopefully to put us in a position where we can get them running 217, 216, 215, because, you know, we've now got four, five, six athletes constellating in this 214, 215 range. That's what it's going to take now to be competitive. Because the women are not limited the way men are. The women just run what needs to be run because they already have men that are doing it in front of them. So there are human beings doing what the women are doing. They just happen to be men. Yeah. And we know that at the marathon distance, the women and the men are not as far apart as they are at the 100 or the 200 or the five, 5K. They're a little bit closer together in terms of, yeah, the performance, the men's performances will be better, but the women can get closer and closer and closer to that because of the way that their bodies are designed and the way that, the way that power is not as so crucial critical to the sport so you know i do think that women we're going to see improvements in the women's times and i think that the reason why it took so long for anybody to chase down paula's 215 was because nobody was in the mindset to do it and the ethiopians and kenyans hadn't really really focused on the marathon in mass with real performances and now many yeah many kenyan and ethiopian women are bypassing the, the the short distance races and moving straight yeah. to the marathon mm -hmm. and they're, they're cultivating that kind of thing and i'm not saying that in america we need to do that but i do think we need to be moving them immediately post-college into marathoning opportunities if they show it like we're going to talk about connor mance who's um byu guy who we've all known even when he was in college he was going to be a great marathoner he's going to be debuting at chicago and we'll be talking about him in a minute he's he he that's a real exciting debut to be thinking about because you're seeing more and more people and he's coached by He's, of course, he's coached by Ed Eystone, but he's now kind of in the Schumacher circle, right? Isn't he in there? I don't know where he's at. He's like, he's, yeah, in, he's kind of in between places yeah. trying to determine where to yeah. go. But it seems like what he's got is Ed and Jerry are working closely with him in a way that's, um, yeah. but we'll, we'll put that aside. Let's, let's finish up and talk yeah. a little bit about London. Um, I wasn't excited about London. Of course, we saw some pretty amazing fireworks in the right. way the race played out. London was a better, were better races. Both of them were better races. They were incredibly competitive. It just, yeah. we don't really know the names of the, the women are not, the, the men and the women were not really, the women's race, who was the winner of the women's race is somebody we know of and know is among the best in the world. Um, we're going to call her Y squared because her Yehalau or whatever, I don't really say exactly know how to say her name, but she, you know, they, they, she and Amos Capruto both blasted late, super fast miles late in the race and kind of just did what we love to see with marathoning where somebody just people running together and somebody throws down and they destroy the field. And it is always exciting to watch and always exciting to see when that kind of stuff happens. Um, and so those were exciting races, but they just weren't the kind of, I mean, post Berlin, you just sort of have a little bit of a, wow. Okay. We just saw what Berlin definitely won between the two races. And I think London needs to be thinking back to going back to, they should go back to their April timeframe if they can. I don't know if they're going to, yeah. but they, they, yeah, are, they really yeah. should because they're they're going to lose to Berlin each time. Berlin's course is faster and the weather's a little bit better, and um, it's just it's it's got world record after world record. And, and London's not it's a fast course, but it's not as fast. Like Berlin is a faster yeah. course. So um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a, I don't what what things do you want to talk about with London before we move over to Chicago? 
Well, you you know you mentioned um, uh, Bekele. He he was there, and so I was I was happy to see him finish and finish strong. You know, he only fall off in the last uh, you know four k whatever five k, and then but then he still he he still was closing strong and was passing people. So and he he set masters world record, which is you know two 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 o five something fifty something so and yeah so it's always fun to watch Bekele um even though you know like and and every year he he comes back to the race you could see his grayish hair <laughs> and he's you know aging but uh, I, I, th- I think that was that was cool and you know just that sentiment that he's still around and uh, like <laughs> you, you never can count him off you know it's just like this man it's like, oh yeah, I took a three weeks off, you know, little injury. It's like, you know, was not good. Just six weeks of preparation, whatever. And it's just like, wow. yeah. I mean, he is okay, unbelievably like... <laughs> talented, and, and, and you know, it's like a lot of in a lot of ways. I think about um, Kenny B that he's the one. If he could have stayed focused for longer, he could have been the great. I mean, he he could still be he could be the best marathoner of all time too. I mean, I mean, he was leading at twenty k, right? And he was still in the lead group at thirty five k. So it was like he could still be there. But I do think we're now seeing him being a step behind. He's not. He's not. Yeah. I, I don't I think we could be talking about him being in the mix of a win of major marathons, but I don't think I don't know that we'll see him go get that world record time. I think. I think it's he's though that though yeah. that has passed and there's others that we should be looking at who can do that because he can't even win the race that he's in and the race that he's in. Um, that's going to make it challenging. Um, now, of course, as you said, he had a poor training cycle going into it. He wasn't optimal, but you know, we hear that about him every single time. So like, I just don't yeah. think he has the hunger, the fire in the belly. He keeps showing up. He keeps making money. And he's a, he's, he's is the greatest distance runner, male distance runner of all time. I don't think there's any dispute to that. In my opinion, there's no dispute to that. I don't, there's no way Kipchoge can catch up. Kipchoge would need to run another. He would need to win every major need to break the world record a couple more times and win at least one more Olympic gold medal, if not more. <laughs> And then we, but then we'll still be thinking about all those world, those world cross country championships that he, where he doubled back to back and won back to back races at world championship level. I mean, what we saw from Ken and Isi and who he competed against in the stretch of time that he competed against them, he just is the greatest of all time. And um, I just think yeah. that he's, he, but it, I wish, and some, do I want him, do I think he should retire? I don't know. I don't really think that that's the case. I think if he's still enjoying it, he's still having fun, he can still make money on it, go for it. But I do think we have, we're seeing a, a, a little of a loss of step. Whereas with Kipchoge, I think we still haven't seen the best for him. And I do wonder, you know, people are clamoring for him to run all the other races in the, they want him to run Chicago. They want him to run New York. They want him to run, oh, not Chicago. They want him to run New York and they want him to run Boston. But I'm like, I don't understand why he needs to fulfill other people's fantasies that he run those two races. I mean, neither of those races really are, I mean, Boston is prestigious, but New York is not that prestigious. Like, I don't think it is that prestigious. It is for us here in the United States, but I, I mean, I can just see him going back to London, going back to Berlin and going back to Tokyo, getting fast times, trying to break world records. Like, so what, what benefit is to him to come here to the U.S. and run these races? I, how is it going to... Well, the people's is argument make... is that they hard, that they hard, right? Yeah, but every marathon's hard. I mean, they're hard in what? So he's going to win them <laughs> by a minute and a half and run through the hills? I mean, he trained... I mean, it's not like he trains at a flat place. I mean, I don't know. I just don't see either of those two races being of the quality... They are the the, le- the the lesser of the of all of the majors. London, Berlin, and Tokyo are the top three marathons in the world. Period. I don't think you put Valencia yeah, there in well, there. I mean, you think you could put? I mean, there's other races in there now that you're think you're going to th- keep thinking about the money that Valencia is putting into at the time of year that it is. I mean, we all they need is a couple of world class athletes to show up at that time to be ready in December to get a kind of event where it is, you know, and that we need that, you know, we need them to be pushed to different places. So again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with New York city or, or Boston. I hope he runs them. I think he should run them if he wants to run them, but his running them has no bearing on my viewing view of him as an athlete. So it is the, I, and if you had the chance to go break your world record again, or try to be the first guy under two without, a, without a, all the other endorsements, why would you go and run, waste time to go run new york city and chicago and boston like why would you do that 
Like before, when it was like a sort of farewell tour, people were thinking, okay, I'll go hit those two. And But even then, it would just be a farewell tour. I just don't see the... I'm, I'm one of those people that just don't see any benefit to that. Like, why? Like, when you could... When you obviously see from him right now that he's operating at at the highest level he's ever operated before and the highest level we've ever seen from any marathoner in history by a large margin. And so to me, it's like, so why would you go to New York city? Why would you go to Boston? Especially with world championships and Olympic games in play. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Money. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, he said he he will he would like to do it, so maybe he will do it, and then we'll see. But then you know, um, uh, yeah, because you know sometimes you wonder like can he can he close you know in four twenty mi or like 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 the guy in London, Amos Kipruto, or like the Boston last Boston winner, right? Pushed really hard last five k from the hills, but then maybe Kipchoge would not allow that. Maybe he will. He will go fast from the beginning and roll over those hills. Okay, well, let's just play that little game, okay? Let's say that he does go do it. Let's say that he does. Why would he sign up for a race that he might be able to get beat in? (laughs) Right. That's going to get run in a slow time. It's just, I mean, Kipchoge, it's like, so we're going to give, this is the problem with both New York and Boston, is they're both just those courses. There's nothing like those courses. Whereas London, Berlin, and and Tokyo are relatively equal. They're relative equals. They're flat, fast, Olympic, yeah. fast, fat, flat, fast, world record style courses. And so I just, that's the thing. It's like, so, so you would, why would you sign up to go get defeated when you could sign up for a race a week, a couple weeks before or after break a world record? I mean, I, I, I just so. don't, I, I see it. I see it why Americans want that to happen, but I don't see how in any way, shape or form it benefits his pedigree his cv or and or his legacy in the long run um to me they're like those should be golden oldies running through the traps and then maybe he throws down some kind of performance there and everybody's like oh my god but i don't think i would call him the greatest marathon of all time because he won because he did or didn't win new york city or boston <laughs> so yeah 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 but you know it's the people gonna always point that and but then but then you know he he is the best marathoner in the world, so he decides what he wants to do. That's Who exactly cares? right. Right. Yep. <laughs> yep. I mean, he, he's obviously running. There's, the money is not a question at this point, right? He's doing it for other reasons, and whatever yeah. those reasons are, are his, and they're not ours, and we can view that in any way we want to. So let's let's talk a little bit about Chicago, or at least these two debuts from the two Americans, since they're they're this race is coming up, and I think. Um, you know, Connor Mance ran for the university for uh, BYU, um, Brigham Young University. He competed at a really high level, being in the mix in the NCAA championships in cross country in the 5K. Even though he was more of a 10K guy, um, he is a he's kind of short, a little bit stocky, but built for a marathon. He looks like he can withstand the training and the load. He's being coached for all these years by Ed Eystone and one of the great American marathoners of all time. Also one of the great, and, and they have been planning on his marathoning for a while. It's really cool to see that he stayed with his coach when he transitioned to try to take advantage of both being in the right place for him to do it, but also taking advantage of his coach's expertise at the marathon. If he did, I know there's talk of him going to Schumacher's group and Schumacher, um, number one, he's more of a 5K really more of a 15-5, more of a 5K steeple kind of coach than he is necessarily um, um, and 10K than he is necessarily a marathon. He's not really, he's had Shalane at the marathon, but not a lot of other successful marathoners. And Jerry's now at the University of Oregon. So he's got a lot of wild and crazy business going on in his world at this point in time. I'm sure that man is drinking from a soda straw trying to figure out how to make all that work. But it is exciting to see Connor stay with his pro with his college coach, and I think we're gonna. I think we're really excited to see what he does at Chicago. Are you gonna make a prediction here? Do you do you have any idea what you think? Weather's looking good for the race, right? Mid forties at the start time, so it's looking like we might have a good weather for it. What do you, what are you thinking? We'll see from Connor. What are you excited to see from him? Yeah, I'm a, all good good points because you know when he signed with Nike, the original idea was yeah he will stay for the for the through the summer and maybe fall with with Utah and then we'll move to Schumacher. But now that was before Schumacher went to Oregon's, uh, uh, took a coaching position there. So I think that's probably is off. I don't think he will probably go there. 
but who knows? But um, so he, you know, I just listened to he was he was on a, on a, on a Sidious Mark podcast, and he just said, you know, everything has been going great. Four forty four forty five pace in altitude feels feels okay, and you know. 448 or 450 pace that's like 206 sub 207 so he said i would like to open in two or three whatever yeah. 30 <laughs> I, I don't know he well he said he would like to compete he he realizes it's his debut and maybe he shouldn't be going you know to one or two you know for the half if they go but um, as you mentioned he may have uh, his own pacers and and then you know and, and then there's this discussion like whoa that's crazy he's thinking about 207 or something and it's like why it's is that crazy, crazy. right <laughs> it, it corresponds to what he's run on the track for a 10k right, so if you right. plug it into a calculator it comes out american distance runners they go at a fast 5k 10k you plug those numbers into a calculator and they come out at way faster 206 207 for right. time not yeah. 210 which we seem to have the kind of like crazy thing where we can't right. go under that so i think it makes a lot of sense it, yeah. it definitely is the way i think yeah. ed Stone thinks about it since ed Stone ran you know 208 also himself so from his perspective it's like no you i know where i was i know where you are you can go do this and to be in a program where a coach who knows that that's possible and for him not to you know he's exactly. like my training indicates x y and z i i didn't hear that interview but i'm sure he's probably crystal clear because i'm sure his coach uh, his coach is one of the best coaches around has told him that the marathon always wins. Right. So I'm sure he's aware that what he's going into that 445 in training is not 445 on race day. However, why not go try, right? You don't, you don't go into a race expecting yeah, exactly. to get your ass kicked by it. You just have the humility and the openness to say, okay, this is a particularly challenging race, but I think your first time, if there's ever a time to just blow up, I mean, if you're that level, you just go for it. And I, I hope, he considers racing that if that indication comes in that race that there's an opportunity then he does do it you know so um but we'll see it's going to be exciting to see what he chooses to do how he chooses to, to to present it and what happens and of course with emily sisson what we expect to see is her not run necessarily with the league group and for her her whole life and her whole career to this point has been taking care of her own business she did this in high school she did it in college she did it pro as a pro my expectation is she'll just run whatever she thinks she's capable of and plug away and then if that means that she's competitive late in the race she'll probably roll people up at the end of the race and and move up but i don't expect her to probably get her nose in it and try to race it i mean she might surprise us but we don't i don't have you heard anything any discussion about what kind of fitness she's in no, but you know, I'm I'm looking at her um, Chicago entry, and uh, you know, um, recent results. You know, uh, let's not forget she she actually in May uh, May seventh she set uh, U.S. half half marathon um, record one oh seven eleven. So sixty nine pace should should feel yeah, okay, sure. right? I mean, yeah. I mean, ultimately, you should expect her to be. She should be in two twenty two shape, right? Then you're, you're like that. That's about where she maybe two twenty. Um, but, but, and, and yeah. the one thing about Emily is she's, we've known, we know she's going to be a great marathoner. This has been, we've been predicting this for a long time. She's right. built for it. She's got wheels enough. She's got great mechanics and she's got a head on her shoulders. That's just, she's just tough as she's tough as nails. She doesn't, she's bend, don't break. That's the way she rolls. She bends, but doesn't break. I mean, the Olympic trials, her running in that heat, 100 plus degree, I mean, almost 100 degree temperatures, going off the front, running her own race. I mean, it's just like you look at her and you go, okay, that's what world-class distance running looks like. And what you're seeing from the rest of the field is everybody else just trying to make an Olympic team. Yeah. Whereas Emily, in my view, she's been she's been ready for this for a long time. I'm excited to see her finally get in there and, and, and get a chance to really get after it. Yep, I, I am excited too. And, and yeah, it's... it's uh... She's been quiet, but I'm guessing we're gonna we're gonna in the next next couple of days we'll hear the press conferences. So uh, yeah, I wonder what what she's thinking. Uh, but I think she was, especially seeing all the women, you know, like we mentioned at the beginning, Sarah and Kira and all running, you know, two twenty. She's like, oh yeah, I'm faster than they are at a half marathon at least. I, I can I can do that too at least you know for so, sure and and her coach yeah. knows how to coach the marathon so it's not like she's she's in a program yeah. that has been 5k 10k half marathon marathon centric all along he hasn't had quite the same 
high level success with the marathoners, but he's only coached two or three, but the two or three, I mean, the two or three that we've seen perform at a really high level. So I'm really excited to see how she does. I mean, I've been, I've been dying for her to be, she needs to get a couple of these under her belt, see where we're at. But, you know, I, I think you've got somebody here who's going to be tiptoeing right up in there with the best that we have and, and could potentially be um, an American record holder within a year in the marathon, if not, and, and maybe that's something that they're thinking about here in Chicago because Chicago is a fast, fast course. It's a real, if there's not wind, it's got good yeah. weather. And if it's not got a lot of wind, it, you can run really fast at Chicago. I mean, world records have been broken there many, many times. It's a very fast course. Um, it takes perfect weather conditions for that to be the case. So it looks like they've got the right temperature for it, but whether or not they've got the winds to be, you know, the thing about Chicago is it can't be windy on that day because the course runs in, will run into all four directions at some point. And um, especially if it's a north <laughs> wind, which tends to be kind of coming from the north, um, you run twice into that at the start and then back again at the finish. You're kind of running north back into it. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But, um, you know, the, the back half of this course is super fast. It doesn't get slower as the race progresses unless there's wind or heat that, that heats up. So um, whatever. And then also, just so you know, Chicago, by the way, if you're tracking, Chicago is one of those races you actually don't have to watch it live because you can get on their tracker the tracking for the chicago marathon is the best tracking in the world you can see, you literally can watch their they show a little like avatar of them running and it shows exactly where they are and you can go in and you can go to the <laughs> to the intersection of the road that they're on and see their chip go through it's like the best when i track those my athletes at that race i love it because you know exactly where they are throughout the race it's really really accurate yeah, I'm hope I hope uh, Peacock will be showing, but I'm not hundred percent. I'm guessing because it's a, it's a it's an American race, yeah. so hopefully they will show so we can watch on Sunday, and uh, that will be exciting. Yeah. Well, T, anything else you want to tee up with our uh, our our return to fanboys? Anything else that you can think of that you want to talk about? I'm sure in the next episodes we'll be talking post Chicago, but also maybe doing a little bit more of a year in review. Maybe we can come back and talk about our world yeah. championship highs and lows, what we saw, or maybe even what we've seen to this point. And then um, I also know you're in training for your um, first marathon in a good long time. I'd like to talk a little bit about that if you want to, like how you're feeling about it, what you're racing, what your thoughts are on that, since training seems to be going pretty solid. And, um, you know, anything else that we just feel like talking about. So, uh, But anything else you can think of uh, for this episode that you want to highlight? The back-to-back -back marathons is overwhelming, you know, to just keep keep up with all of it. That's what I agree with you. Move move uh, London back to spring and just give a little bit, little bit of breathing for us between those big races. And then I think they should pull <laughs> they should pull Valencia into the World Marathon Majors. Oh, that's another thing we need to talk about is what they're doing with taking the money prize money out at World Marathon Majors. Is this yeah. going to affect? what happens in the sport it'll be interesting to see that's a that's a that's a topic of conversation we can we can discuss um how much that's going to impact things but it could be you know it's one of those factors that could be a pretty significant factor but it may not either because a lot of these athletes they have really good bonus structures in their um shoe contracts it could be that the shoe companies make up for those kinds of things get the exposure you know it, it, it'll be i don't know that it's as much a dire end of times scenario that people are talking about but we can unpack that at some point in time too if if, if we want to so yeah, yeah i don't exactly. think of anything else that i really wanted to share or wanted to talk about um so I'm just excited. Yeah, you had you had a few athletes, few athletes running right both of those marathons we just were talking. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to reading what they have to say, and then maybe we can yeah. share. Yeah, but some, didn't some seem stories. like they. I haven't heard back from Sten yet. He, um, you know, he he ran yeah. two forty eight or something like that. He didn't have a great day that he was hoping for, and mm -hmm. Jeremy was at the. They were both running the World Masters. Um, he um, didn't have a great day. Uh, but you know, it, it, I, I have heard back from him. He just had a crazy, he's had a crazy, crazy bit of life recently. So, uh, his life has been yeah. very challenging. And, um, he also was in Paris and he, he, he did the whole family thing. It was on his feet for days and days and days prior to the race. So it wasn't really an optimal thing for him, but Jeremy's coming back from New York. So we'll see. He's already on the train to get that ball rolling uh you know how i feel about that but it is what it is athletes decide and the coach tries to create the best plan for them given their decisions that they make so 
Um, but yeah, we get, we've got lots of shit we can talk about. So um, thanks for listening to us getting back here on to Fanboys. And we promise we'll be more consistent. Not promising you we're going to be every other week, but we will be at least... At least once every two to three weeks, you can expect to hear from T and I talking about whatever it is we're randomly interested in discussing because um, we have fun doing it. And hopefully there's a few of you out there listening to it, enjoying it. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>